Well, good morning, House of Harvest Christian Family Church. Good morning, Pastor Susan. Good morning, Pastor Zwelli. I know you're not here right now. You're busy overcoming COVID and we're standing in faith as you battle this disease in Jesus' name. I've also just come through it. Praise God. It's no walk in the park, but His grace is sufficient for us. For in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. And um, from me to you, the congregation, I just want you to know that myself and Apostle Theo, Dr. Bear, Pastor Christine, have been interceding, praying and trusting that strength be restored to your pastor and that he's back in the pulpit in no time whatsoever. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. Well, it's my privilege to be invited by Pastor Susan in Pastor Zwelli's absence to teach this morning. And so I hope this word is going to bless you. Um, at short notice, I trusted the Lord for something that I believe would encourage you as a congregation. And I really hope that it will cause faith to rise in your heart. So let's open up in prayer and I'll get started straight away. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. I thank you for the privilege of being used as your mouthpiece this morning to speak your words of life, of freedom, of liberty, of healing, of deliverance. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that your word is the wellspring of life. You promised that you sent your word to heal us and deliver us of our destructions. And we thank you that that is no truer then than what it is today in Jesus' name, that we are living in victory, that Pastor Zwelli is out of his sickbed, restored completely and preaching the gospel in Jesus' wonderful name. We celebrate you today, Lord God. We thank you for your promise and your life-giving word that transforms us and grows us in the precious name of Jesus. And all those who agreed said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the title of my message this morning to you is this. When you're prepared to stand forever, you won't have to stand too long. Think about the title. I'll revert back to it a bit later. But when we are prepared to stand forever, we won't need to stand too long. It's a deep statement, a deep title, and I want to dig into that a bit this morning. The first portion of scripture we're going to be looking at is found in Psalm 119 and verse 50. Psalm 119 verse 50, and this is what God's word says. My comfort in my suffering is this. I'm going to pause there for a moment. The psalmist is actually Ezra. He wrote Psalm 119. He was a scribe whose responsibility was to pen the word of God over and over and over again. He wrote this psalm while in Babylon in captivity. He says this, my comfort in my suffering is this. I want you to notice, first of all, he acknowledges that he is suffering. The children of Israel, when they were in captivity, were suffering under worldly pressures. The same as what we are as the church today. We are getting persecuted. We are getting criticized by the world. We are being criticized by the faithless. And over and above that, we have COVID-19 that we're dealing with. We have these riots and looting in South Africa. I think we would qualify for a people that is possibly suffering just like Ezra was over here. But he said this. My, it's kind of crazy because how can one be in comfort and suffer at the same time? He's about to tell us exactly how. But let me read it from the beginning again. He says, My comfort in my suffering is this, that your promise preserves my life. You see, Ezra had determined in his heart that if I'm prepared to stand forever, I don't have to stand 
too long. He had the promise of God that was eternal, that brought him complete comfort while going through what he was going through. And today is all about that. Today, I want to throw promises out there from God's word that are eternal, that are going to comfort us during this difficult time that we face as South Africans. We don't have to be overly concerned about what tomorrow holds because we know who holds tomorrow. Nothing catches God by surprise. And so if we are prepared to stand, the Bible says when having done all to stand, stand therefore. Can you imagine the person who pins their hope on the resurrection of Jesus? All of their hope is pinned on the resurrection of Jesus. Their hope is not contingent on will they get married? Will they pay their car off? Will COVID end? Will the riots stop? Will the economy strengthen? They don't place their hope in any of those things. Their ultimate hope is in the future on the resurrection of Jesus. Because if you position and you project your faith into eternity, nothing that happens to you right now in this world is going to make any difference. I love the way the Apostle James put it. And that's my next verse. It's found in James chapter 4 and verse 14. Listen to what James says. Now, James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was martyred for his faith in Christ. When they rolled James over after they'd killed him, they noticed that his knees were wrinkled. And that's why he got the nickname Camel Knees. But he had a very close walk with Jesus. He, in actual fact, only received Christ after Jesus was crucified. Before that time, he didn't place much credence on the fact that his half-brother was actually the Son of God. But this is what James says with an eternal perspective. Remember, when you're prepared to stand forever, you won't have to stand too long. It means that victory's just around the corner. So James says this. He says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Speaking to me and you. Think about it. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. We live by the grace and mercy of God. He reminds us, he says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? He poses this rhetorical question. He doesn't expect us to answer. And I suppose if we had to answer as believers, what would we say? So he poses this question. He says, what for what is your life? And he answers it straight away. In case you're wondering that it's this wonderful, elaborate thing. He says this. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, I make my wife coffee every single morning. Every morning my wife gets coffee in bed. And it was about a month and a half ago while I was making her coffee on a cold winter's morning that I noticed the kettle boiling and something caught my eye. The steam was coming out of the kettle. But what I noticed, or should I say did not notice, was how long that steam is there before it vanishes. Literally, it's there and it's gone. And I was reminded in my spirit of this promise by James. What is your life? It is but a vapor. Now, folks, I want you to hear me very clearly. When you begin to have an eternal mindset, something inside of you shifts. When you begin to view everything that you do, say, how you live in the light of eternity, even your challenges, Guess what? They become almost insignificant in that moment. And that's what James 
is reminding us over here. What he's saying, and if I can paraphrase it, James is saying this. Listen, guys, do you honestly think that 500 years from now, when we're sitting around the marriage feast of the Lamb, that anybody who's in heaven with Jesus celebrating is going to be talking about the riots that took place in Natal? 500 years from now. Remember, your life is but a vapor. In the grand scheme of things in eternity, really, it's nothing. But you see, this kind of mindset can only really be inculcated into the heart of someone who has surrendered their life to Christ. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you don't live forever when you die. You live forever the moment you accepted Christ. You stepped into eternity. The Bible says you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The moment you got born again, you were positioned in another kingdom. One writer says it this way. He says we are sojourners. We'll get to that scripture in a moment. He says to us, listen, you are traveling through. The problem is sometimes we can get so consumed about what's happening now, we forget what's going to happen then. And there's a big difference. And I'm hoping today to be able to give you the same kind of shift in your mindset, in your spirit that happened with me about a month and a half ago. And I gained a different perspective. I gained what I like to believe the same perspective that James had, the same perspective that Paul the Apostle had that has enabled me to walk through what I'm going through with joy, with gladness, with confident assurance. Jesus said, why do you fear people that can hurt your body that cannot touch your spirit? He says, rather fear God. Jesus is saying, come on, guys, pull yourselves together. Your destiny is heaven. You are just walking through this place. You're here for a moment. You're a vapor. You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. Why do you want to make everything about this little bit of vapor that you've caught, that you've been caught in the midst of? I know what you're thinking. Pastor Andre, it's great to preach this message. But really, you don't know what I'm going through. And I'm, I'm telling you now, Paul didn't have COVID to deal with. The Apostle Paul didn't have riots, perhaps on the level that we are seeing it to deal with. Let me tell you, folks, he went through all of those and more besides. But let me not get on a rabbit trail here. Let's get back to the... Remember the title of my message. If you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand for too long. The next portion of Scripture I want us to take a look at, bearing in mind that... James tells us that our life is but a vapor is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verses 17 through to 18. Now listen what the apostle Paul says. He says, we view, now interestingly, the word view, the word seen and unseen is mentioned seven times in these two verses, seven times. So before I even read this verse, I want you to see that what Paul really is dealing with over here is not so much what he went through, but his perspective of what he was going through. So listen what Paul says. We view our slight and short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. I'll read it again. We view, Paul saying, us as believers, we view our slight and short-lived troubles. I wondered to myself if I could quantify, if I could clearly define what these slight and short-lived troubles are that Paul is referring to, because, I mean, COVID is not slight, recession is not slight, hunger is not slight. So I wondered, maybe there was something he went through that wasn't as severe 
as what we are facing in South Africa today. But I was stunned to find out what Paul considered to be slight and short-lived. Slight and short-lived. Listen what Paul says. We'll come back to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. This is what Paul says slight and short-lived troubles were. This is what he says. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times he was whipped 39 times. Any of us had that done to us? Certainly not me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Dear Lord Jesus, does that just not put what we are going through into perspective. I've been hungry, but not to that extent, folks. And yet Paul says these things in the same chapter of 2 Corinthians, when he summarizes his life, he says, going back to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17, he says, I myself, Paul and you, we, view our slight and short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. How did Paul make it through this stuff? When he was being beaten for the third time with 39 lashes, as we face our third recession, as we face our third wave, perhaps if we were Paul, we would have said, God, I trust you to deliver me this from the first time, the second, but now it's the third time. I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. I'm you see, when, when we get tired and we get weary, we don't quit, we rest. We rest in God. And so Paul was saying the only reason he could go through all of these things, the only reason that you and I can get through what we're going through is if we adopt an eternal mindset. Listen to me, folks. And I don't mean to be callous, but for those of you that have lost a loved one to COVID or to the riots, and if they were born again, let me tell you, they've just simply changed address. If you continue to serve Jesus, you will see them again in a hundred years from now. You'll be holding those family members. You'll be reminiscing about what took place while you were on the earth. You might even be talking about the things that you were completely devastated about. Maybe it was a, a tax a tax bill that you had to cover or a, a loved one that you lost or a home that was lost or a business that was liquidated. I can promise you now in a hundred years from now in heaven, that's not going to feed. You're going to look back and you're going to laugh at it. You're going to say, how was it possible that in my life that the Bible says clearly is but a vapor, I got so anxious and so concerned about, so worried about stuff that Paul said, listen, if only you knew where you were coming to, if only you knew who you were going to live forever with. If only you knew the amount of love, restoration, and compassion that awaits you as you step into heaven. He says we view these challenges, these light, to be specific, short-lived challenges. He says we do it with a view of eternity. My friends, my brothers and sisters, I want you to know that it may not get better tomorrow, but it is going to get better. It is going to get better. Paul goes on to say, he says... 
we see again about perspective. He says, we see our difficulties as the substance. Listen to this. This is an incredible promise. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces. What you are going through is busy producing something for you. What is it producing, Pastor Andre? It feels like it's just producing sorrow. It's just producing heartache. Let me tell you what the Bible says. That is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Let me tell you, folks, when you've been through what you're going through, it's worked for you a far greater weight in glory. When we get to heaven one day, you're not even going to be able to compare the reward that God is going to give you to what you went through. The sorrow and the hurt and the pain and the loss and the fear that you may be experiencing now is not even going to be spoken about. Why? Because if you'll walk through it by the grace of God, let me tell you, it is working for you a far greater weight of glory. And that's eternal. And this is exactly why Paul goes on to say this. He says, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, we don't look at what we're going through, but on what is unseen, that which is eternal. Paul goes on to say, for what is seen is subject to change. What you can see is subject to change, but what is unseen is in the realm of eternity. I want you to know it may not get better tomorrow, but it is going to get better. And if we as believers are determined to stand forever, we won't have to stand too long. Our hope is on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Come on, praise the Lord. I know I can't see you, but you can see me. I wrote this as a note. I said, the more eternally minded we become, Punning our hope on the return of Jesus and our eternal security with him, the smaller our current adverse circumstances will seem. And so I'm hoping by the power of the Holy Ghost just to create that shift in your spirit. That you'll take your eyes of what you can currently see, what you can currently feel, what you're currently experiencing, whatever that may be, and just 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 shift your focus. Just again, realign and, and take a look to Jesus. Take a look to the things that are eternal and you will sense hope beginning to flood your heart. Matthew 14 holds such an important key about how when we shift our focus onto our circumstances, onto the things that the Bible says is but a vapor. Imagine if your life is a vapor, the problem that you're facing today. Can you imagine how small and insignificant that thing is in the light of eternity? But Matthew chapter 14 has such a wonderful caution to us and also a promise for those people whose eyes come off Christ during difficult times and shift to their circumstances. And I'm only going to be reading one verse. You know the story well. Jesus had preached to the 5,000. He was going up onto the mountain to pray. And he says to his disciples, he said, go over to the other side. Now there was a storm brewing. We're going to find out there was a storm brewing. They were fearful. There was a storm brewing, which tells me sometimes that even, you're in, even though you're in the perfect will of God, Jesus said, go, guess what? They still hit a storm. They still became fearful. So it doesn't mean because you're catching a speed wobble that you're saying, oh God, maybe I'm outside of God's will. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. The Lord knows exactly what he's doing. So we know the story, okay? So Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. The disciples get on the boat. 
the Bible says the winds pick up, the waves pick up, and it was early hours of the morning that Jesus began to make his way across to his disciples. But here is a very important verse that I want to focus on that speaks to what I've been leading to up until now. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 30, the Bible says, but when he saw, <laughs> when Peter, speaking about Peter, because he said, Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. And we know that Peter got out the boat. The Bible says, but when he saw, so here we have a guy who was speaking to Jesus, who had a promise from Jesus, come, got out in the boat, but then he shifted his focus. He took his focus off that which is eternal. He took his focus off that which is his promise, that which is his future. The Bible says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now the part we remember most about the story of Peter walking on the water I think it's preached about more the fact that he took his eyes off Jesus and sank than Peter actually walking on the water. People don't always remember that Peter walked on the water. Why? Because all they remember is that he sank. But you know what? You've got to go to verse 30. You have to read verse 30 of that same chapter. Because the Bible says, He cried out to Jesus. The Lord stretched out His hand immediately and helped Him up. And the Bible then says that they got back in to the boat. They. Now, I want to read this because these are the thoughts that I penned for you relating to the scripture. And listen to me carefully. This is my caution. Don't allow the enemy to shift your focus. Regardless of whatever it is you're facing right now, it happens so easily. It happened with Peter. It happened with many others. Don't allow it to happen with you. Don't allow, even though the wind and the waves may be boisterous, even though the circumstances may be rising up around you, I implore you, keep your eyes on Jesus. When I say this, I mean specifically, keep your focus on that which is eternal and not that which is temporary. Keep your focus on the future. Keep your eyes on Jesus and not what is happening now. Don't allow the enemy to shift your focus. There will always be storms of varying intensity. But if this verse teaches us anything, and that is that we all have a choice. Today, today you have a choice. You can either shift your focus onto your problem or you can keep your eyes. On. And I know sometimes that's more difficult to do or to say than it is to do. Look at Peter. I mean, he was one of the guys that just shifted his eyes of Jesus. But that was as an example to us. Our faith won't fail us. We all have a choice. We will keep our focus on the things. Will we keep our focus on the things of the Spirit? Listen carefully. Employing spiritual solutions to carnal circumstances. Or will we try and employ carnal solutions to spiritual circumstances. And that's what I find is happening in so many believers' lives right now. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I find my mind wanting to drift off and make these rioters and the looters my enemy, but they're not. 
These rioters and looters are not the enemy of South Africa. Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. People are not our problem. And so what people are now trying to do is they're even Christians. They're trying to apply, they're trying to apply um, carnal solutions to spiritual problems. You want to apply spiritual solutions to a carnal problem. You have to go straight back to the word. That's what we're doing today for anxiety, fear, for the unknown of the future. We're applying what the word of God says. We start off with Ezra. He says, your promise preserves my life. He says, the comfort in my suffering is this, that your promise preserves my life. So what are we doing? We're throwing promises at the problems. We're not throwing resources. We're throwing promises. That's what we do as believers. Can I get an amen? You see, the enemy, I believe, of late has launched a conspiracy of distractions against the church of Jesus Christ. He's not just trying to destroy the people in the world. They're on their way to hell anyway. This is a full-on scale, full-scale launch on the church specifically. So what should not surprise us is that things are getting progressively worse in the world. That shouldn't surprise us. What should not surprise us is how strong believers are during this time and how they stand up with faith and are resilient. But I have found personally that so many are surprised by what's happening in the world today. You can't read your Bible and be surprised by everything that's going on. The Lord said it's going to happen. We knew it was going to come. So I'm not surprised. And I'm also very surprised at how people who are supposed to be in faith have completely forgotten themselves and who God is and are getting sucked into what is happening. And as I mentioned, trying to apply natural solutions to spiritual problems. Being dominated by fear and anxiety. Thinking, you know what, this caught God by surprise. Maybe I need to move somewhere or go somewhere. And I'm not going to lie to you. Let me tell you, those same thoughts bombard every believer, even the most mature believers. But we have to go back to the word, folks. So, so many are surprised by what's happening in the world, but not surprised. We should be shocked by how many believers are reacting in fear and disillusionment. It's almost like during this season that we've been going through, lockdown that has now culminated in riots and a third wave of COVID. It's almost like so many people have become completely paralyzed. And I'm not talking about paralyzed physically. I'm talking about paralyzed spiritually. What does the future hold? What do I do next? What does God expect from me? What should I do? And so because I don't know, I just won't do anything. They become completely paralyzed. The Bible is filled with stories of paralyzed people. Even paralyzed people that believed in God and believed in Jesus. People who may have been lame outwardly in their bodies, lame physically. But what I've noticed is few of them were lame spiritually. I'm thinking of the guy at the, at the, um, the, pool, of, the pool of Bethesda. I'm thinking of the guy in Acts chapter 3, along Solomon's colonnade, whose friends came and put him down there every single day. This, these men had a pursuit for God, so they may have been lame in their physical bodies and couldn't go anywhere physically, but they were in pursuit of God. I noticed something far more dangerous 
taking place in the church today and that people are not paralyzed physically, but they are paralyzed spiritually. And the physical paralysis of those in the Bible are really, is really a metaphor for a spiritual paralysis that many of us could possibly be facing during this time. This time of confusion, this time of not knowing. And again, it's a result of people not having an eternal perspective. But here, and let me just speak to you quite frankly, have you got to that point during lockdown with the restrictions and everything that's been going on? Would you say to me, Pastor Andre, you know, that's exactly, I, I feel like I'm lame in the spirit. I don't know what tomorrow holds. The cliche is I know who holds tomorrow, but I just feel completely ineffective and my ineffectivity is, has led to a whole, is it led to a loss of, of discipline in various areas in my life. And I feel like I can't get up. I've lost, I've lost someone close to me, the love of my life. I, I feel like I can't get up. Pastor Andre, you don't know my business was looted. I went from having money to not having anything. And, and I want to tell you, Pastor Andre, I can't get up. Many of you have been so knocked by COVID, you're struggling to recover. Previous perhaps still have, struggling to breathe and get out there. And you're saying to me, Pastor Andre, this thing hit me hard now. And I can't get up. Well, let me tell you, when Peter felt that Wayne began to be overwhelmed by the circumstances, he said, Jesus, help me. And the Bible says, <laughs> immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand. I want you to know today, as I minister to you this life-giving word, that Jesus is there because there's this incredible promise to each and every one of us that feel incapacitated that feel like we've failed God, that we haven't taken advantage of this extra time we've had to be quiet and alone with Him. God has given us a word, and many of you right now are just like Peter. The wind is boisterous, the waves are high, and you feel yourself sinking. The Bible says Peter cried out to Lord Jesus immediately, but listen to this promise found in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 19. Listen carefully. And at that time, the Bible says, I will deal with all who oppress you. And I, Jesus says, I will rescue the lame. Even though this is being pre-recorded, I sense the presence of God being released right now, right where you are. God's promise to you in Zephaniah 3 and verse 19 is that I will rescue the lame. I've been there. I know what that feels like to be strengthened in the body, but to be completely lame in the spirit. I've been there. There are so many folks currently, as I've mentioned, that feel lame in their spirits. They're on the right road. You know you're born again. You want to run with diligence, but you sense that you are lame and incapacitated. And because you're lame, you're making a sorry walk of your Christian life. Well, I want to tell you this, that on the road to heaven, there are many cripples. And if there weren't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need this promise, would we? If there weren't any cripples on the road to heaven, we would not need this promise. We wouldn't need it. The Lord, just so you know, 
and I'll remind you of this, although in your spirit you know this, that the Lord can never make good soldiers of people that are crippled. Can never. Mephibosheth didn't serve in the army. He was lame. He needed covenant. He needed to come to the table. So the Lord can never make good soldiers of people like this. Yet in this promise, we see that God says he will save us. And you know why he'll save us? Not because we've earned or deserved it, but because of his mercy and primarily because he'll receive glory through it. God will save you today. He will strengthen the feeble knees. The Bible says in Isaiah, he will save the cripple. He will rescue the lame. Why? Because in saving us, he will glorify himself. When we have stood up again and begin to do what God has called us to do and the rest of the world and the rest of the church looks upon those who may have felt unproductive during this time, they will say, but how? We will say, but God, he deserves all all the glory, all the honor, because he's faithful and true. He gave us his promise. Many will ask how this once lame person ran the race to win the crown and all of the praise will be given to God the Father. I want you to know that the Lord says he will deal with our oppressors right now and he's going to rescue us. Isn't that an incredible, incredible promise to each and every one? I want to close my message today with this prayer. But just before I pray, I want to bring these, these aspects together, I suppose, in a conclusion and remind you that your life is but a vapor. Don't make it about what you're going through. Make it about where you're going. Let's put an eternal mindset over our, let's protect ourselves with an eternity driven mindset, knowing that we're going to be with Jesus, knowing that everything's going to be okay. And if we really adopt that and trust God for that, we won't worry too much about what's happening right now. Remember what happened with Peter. He had to put his eyes back on the eternal. He took his eyes off eternity. Jesus put his eyes on the circumstances, focus on the circumstances. The only solution was not to cry out to Jesus while looking at the wind and the waves. He had to shift his focus back and say, Jesus, help me. And the Bible says that they got back into the boat. And then finally, you might find yourself where Peter found himself as a result of circumstances. You just feel completely lame. I wanted to leave you with that promise. I wanted to leave you with that promise. Found in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 19. At that time, I will deal with all who oppress you. All. God's dealing even right now with every single demon that's been assigned to destroy your life, to interfere with your prosperity, to interfere with your family. The Lord himself will deal with all of those who oppress you. And I serve the enemy notice. Every single spirit of oppression, every single distraction, every single thing launched against the children of God that would seek to oppress them by in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that God will deal with you. And I believe you've been dealt with in the mighty name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? And in this wonderful promise, I will rescue the lame. God's about to do something significant. Won't you pray this prayer with me right now? Let's say this. Heavenly Father, though we halt in faith, though we halt in prayer, though we halt in praise, 
Though we halt in patience and sometimes even in service, we're asking you today to save us. Save us. Lord, your grace, by your grace, gather the slowest of us. Those who've been affected by our circumstances, just like Peter was. Our posture right now is, Lord Jesus, save us. You promised that you would do this for your glory and your glory alone. We will look up and we will look forward. Even though we feel weak, we recline our weight on you and declare that these weak people are made strong in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Just a short word for you this morning, but I pray that it's blessed and encouraged you. But here is my encouragement to those of you that have never made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. You, you don't know that your heart is right with God. You don't know where you're going. If you were to die, where you'd end up. Well, there is hope in Jesus. He's a real. He's, he's real. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. You know you need to say, Jesus, come into my heart. And so I want to pray with you. I want to pray a simple prayer and help you articulate what's going on in your heart right now. So if you've never committed your heart to Jesus, won't you please pray this prayer after me? Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I've fallen short of your mark for my life, your goals for my life. I've fallen short of those. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I've lived for myself. But I believe that there is hope in Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And after three days, you rose again, paying the price for my sin so that I could be forgiven. This morning, today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Father, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me, make me clean. I promise to love you and to serve you until the day I meet you face to face. Congratulations and God bless each and every one of you that has committed your life to Christ. I pray the word has blessed you. I pray it's encouraged you. Remember that whatever you're going through is but a vapor. God bless you.